Yo, since I dropped those videos on YouTube the other day talking about the cryptocurrency Dash, of course people are very excited about Dash both on the positive side and the negative side, so they left some very interesting comments. They left a bunch of opinions, arguments, and just plain nonsense on there, so I wanted to get a chance to go through a few of them. One of the things that popped up a lot was people saying, if Segwit comes in, if Segregated Witness comes in, well, you just wait when Segregated Witness comes in. And I'd say, well, hang on. I think it's kind of starting the story in the middle there. Hang on a minute, champ. Because this is kind of like if I say, if I become a millionaire before I'm 25, well, there's a, there's a, a lot of steps that go into the process before that happens. A lot of Bitcoin maximalists ha- kind of have this mental block Like, they can't understand that it's not just about the technology, it's also about the people, the human factors that go into it, the politics that are going on in the Bitcoin environment right now. So, the other day, on the Bitcoin panel at Anarchapulco, I heard Tone Vase talking about his plan to integrate SegWit, and it went something like, we'll try over six months to get 97% consensus, if that doesn't work, we're trying another six months for 95% and so on, lowering the standard every time. The thing is, these problems exist today. The unconfirmed transactions are going through the roof today. So if we have a roadmap that's going to take a year or two years to solve this problem, this is starting to look a lot like a system which isn't viable long term. Now, maybe they can find a way to patch it up or make some changes, but at Right now, it doesn't look that good. A similar mental block comes up when it comes to user experience. A lot of people left comments saying, I don't mind copy and pasting Bitcoin addresses. I don't mind using a QR code scanner. That's true. Using a QR code scanner is more user-friendly than copy pasting a Bitcoin address. But you know what? I don't mind using a Bitcoin address either. That doesn't scare me at all. But it does demonstrate a lack of imagination and a lack of empathy because something is familiar to you and me doesn't mean it's familiar to everybody. And you have to imagine what a good user experience would look like because I tell you this, sure as shit, it doesn't look like a 34 alphanumeric character string that looks like R2-D2 jizzed on your monitor. Here's an interesting argument, the case of the Bitcoin blue chip. So it goes something like this. So Dash is very good for certain types of transactions. It's good for private transactions, fast transactions. You could use it at the corner store to buy a cup of coffee. But for the large transactions, you don't necessarily need that speed. So you could use Bitcoin in those cases, like this large settlements, this international clearinghouse of cryptocurrency. You could still use Bitcoin in that case. But my question is this. Okay, you don't gain anything from having speed in that case, but you also don't really lose anything. So Bitcoin would have to offer something beyond what Dash offers. Which brings me to my next point. Security. They say security is the reason. Bitcoin is more secure than Dash. And it's true. Bitcoin has been around longer, so it's been subjected to more tests. More people have tried to hack it. But security of the network is actually only one aspect of security. Another question is, how many people have lost their private keys or had their private keys stolen because they didn't know how to properly secure them? Well, it's probably a lot. (laughs) If you need to be a tech nerd to secure your money, that's obviously a system that's not ready for mass adoption. 
Dash is in a position to try to improve that for people. The other thing is, if you're trying to defend Bitcoin against Dash, then you may be fighting this retreating battle. You have to say things like, well, sure, it can do privacy better, it can do speed better, it can do user experience, and it can do adaptation to changing market conditions. It can do all those things better, but what else can it do? Well, <laughs> if it has the potential to address all of these aspects, then it probably has the potential to address security as well. The thing is, above all, we know that Dash is focused on user experience and you can't have a good user experience if you wake up one morning to find that all of your coins have disappeared into the night like stars at dawn. Here's a funny comment which I liked. RP Wicks commented saying, Dash completely in bubble. A huge pump from a bunch of whales fantasizing on Amanda naked. Well, that's great. Here I was thinking that people were excited about Dash because they're working on user experience. They've focused on good marketing. They've got these strong fundamentals. Here I was thinking that Dash was so exciting because it brought the dream of Bitcoin back to life, the dream of fast private anonymous payments of a currency which is not controlled by any central bank which means we can break free of these shankles which have been on us for more than a hundred years which can guide us all of my friends in developing nations have a chance to reach true prosperity within their lifetimes using this technology that's why i thought i was excited no i'm actually excited because rich bankers like daydreaming about a young woman wearing lingerie. So thanks for clearing that up, RP Wicks. Tao of Satoshi is getting thousands of hits on his videos on Cash Alternative. I'm getting thousands of hits on my videos here. And as far as I know, most of those hits are not because of our looks except for that one fan, that one Brazilian guy who always comes on my videos and comments saying he wants to run his hands through my beard and kiss me. Well, I love my fans. Dash is a product of marketing. People trying to tell me that Dash is a scam because it has good marketing. That doesn't follow. You can't get there from here. They try to say, the reason that your cryptocurrency is popular is because they spend so much money on, on marketing and promotion. Oh, how horrible. What horrible people the Dash team must be. They must have souls made of pure black tar mixed with demonic nose hairs. I of Newt. They must be awful people. Oh, how terrible they must be. They're going to spend a thousand years in purgatory for the sin of putting up a shingle. The sin of telling people about their product and demonstrating its benefits. Marketing isn't a bad thing, <laughs> guys. There's nothing wrong with marketing. There's nothing wrong with telling people about your product. There's nothing wrong with using a beautiful young woman to promote it. Nothing at all wrong with it. Dash isn't a cryptocurrency, it's a business. I don't really know what kind of distinction people are trying to make when they say this. 
It's almost as if they believe that nobody ever made any money off Bitcoin, like the dev team didn't make any money, the early investor didn't make any money, the miners didn't make any money. Yes, Dash provides a service, and yes, people make money off it. If you really have such a problem with people making money when they provide something cool, I think you need to please stop. Stop arguing on YouTube about internet nerd money. Go home, light a candle on your altar to Karl Marx and masturbate to the final pages of Das Kapital. People also left a bunch of comments on my videos saying that Dash is more centralized than Bitcoin. And so they say the Bitcoin purists are always going to want the most decentralized system and that's why they're going to stick with Bitcoin. Now, what a lot of people mean when they say this is that Dash has a formal governance structure. The thing that they overlook is that Bitcoin also has a governance structure. It's just that it's not formalized. So when people want a vote on Bitcoin, they defer to the miners or to the voters. Now with Bitcoin, as with Dash, it would be cost prohibitive to try to dominate the mining. It would cost millions or tens of millions of dollars to set up mining rigs to, to influence that. However, with Bitcoin, with the nodes, it would not be cost prohibitive to set up thousands of nodes you just use virtual private service and you'll be able to dominate it with dash you can't do that because you need to have 1000 dash per master node it's going to be cost prohibitive the second thing is with the master nodes or with the full nodes with bitcoin there are likely to be less full nodes over time because there's a cost associated with dash there are likely to be more full nodes more master nodes over time because they're rewarded so that's a risk of centralization that goes to bitcoin now the third thing is with the dev team. So Bitcoin's dev team is actually more centralized than Dash's because the, the funding comes from a handful of sources. Um, so from DTCC, Blockstream, MIT's Digital Currency Initiative. The thing is, if the Bitcoin community, if the nodes or the miners or the, the people who used it decided that they didn't want the Bitcoin dev team receiving funding from MIT, they couldn't just say, no, stop the funding. That's between the dev team and, and Blockstream or MIT. That's their decision. However, with Dash, if the master nodes decide that they don't want to fund a certain dev team, then they can cut off the funding. That's something they can do. So you have these hundreds or thousands of individuals making the decision on what's going to be better for the network. The last thing on that point is about Dash Central. So Dash Central is the website where you can submit proposals and you can review proposals, vote on them. Of course, it has central in the name. So you've got to ask, well, is it, is it centralized? So maybe someone could make a case because it's a website this administrators on there, maybe they could go in and censor some posts or stop people voting. At least we know it is mitigated because the data is on the blockchain. Now, so when you look at it those ways across those, those uh, four different factors, you can see, okay, well, maybe it's true Dash is more centralized in some aspects, but it's also true that Bitcoin is more centralized in some aspects. So it's not exactly a fair criticism without introducing a level of nuance. Here's a related question. What's to stop somebody buying up more than 50% of the masternodes? Well, it would be difficult. 
At today's prices, you'd need about $360 million. That's assuming that the price of Dash would stay stable as you brought up all these millions of dollars, which obviously it wouldn't because the demand increased so much. And you probably have to pry thousands of Dash out of the hands of masternodes, which a lot of those guys are just not selling. They're in it for the long term. But you know, every single cryptocurrency on Earth has the same problem, though it's normally with miners, not with nodes. Every single cryptocurrency is based on the idea that more than 50% of the network is going to be honest. There's about $20 billion riding on that idea, so it might be a pretty good one. The Instamine. The Instamine. The motherfucking Instamine. So many people have talked about this, but I think it's worth addressing just one more time. It's true... There was an Instamine, 2 million coins mined in the first week. Now there are 7 million coins in existence. So some commenters were trying to tell me that's a majority. Obviously it isn't. Some people believe that the developers still control those 2 million coins. I don't think that's the case. But even if they do, so what? In any industry other than cryptocurrency, if somebody who created a product, who created a company or service had a majority of the shares in it or even 20, 10% of the shares in it, we wouldn't think twice about it. That would be completely normal. Think back to the dot-com bubble. There were a lot of companies, a lot of people trying to start companies, get funds from investors, use them to go public, then sell it to suckers on the stock market, pets.com, that kind of stuff. That happened a lot. And those companies were trash. Those were the shit coins of 2001. Does that mean that every IPO is a scam? No. Does it mean that every tech IPO is a scam? No. Does it mean that every tech IPO where people control 20%, 50% of the shares is a scam? No, it doesn't. So think it through. Being an instamine or a pre-mine is a symptom of a scam, but it doesn't mean it's a scam. The two things are not congruent. They're not identical. Dash is a Ponzi scheme. All right, well, this is a fun one. Some people forget very quickly that it was just a few years ago that people were saying the exact same thing about Bitcoin. First of all, what is a Ponzi scheme? I asked a guy on Reddit what he meant when he was calling Dash a Ponzi scheme, and he said it meant when early investors are paid out by late investors. And that, in a roundabout general way, describes what Ponzi did. But if you use that definition, it actually applies to gold, oil, any commodity or share on earth. If you buy gold and then sell it later, you're paid out by a new investor. So it's not really a very useful definition. So let's think about what Ponzi did. What he did was he advertised fixed high rate of return. So like 10% a month. And he paid out the old investors using the money from the new investors. He paid them. That is a centralized source determined the value of the receipts and he paid them. That's important. So does Dash advertise the high fixed yield? No, it doesn't. It doesn't tell you that you're going to get your money back. It doesn't tell you that it's going to be worth anything in a month. It doesn't tell you that you're going to get 10%. It doesn't tell you you can plant your magical Dash in your backyard and use it to climb up a vine to a giant and steal his goose that lays or golden eggs. 
It doesn't tell you anything like that. So that criterion is not met. Second thing, payouts come from a centralized source, from Ponzi himself. Well, that's not true. The payouts do not come from a centralized source. They come from individual actors. You buy them from your neighbor, sell them to your colleague, buy it on an exchange, sell it on another exchange. The third one, value decided by a central source. So, for example, you have your receipt from Ponzi. You go back to him and he pays you back your original stake and returns it with 10% extra. Is that what happens with Dash? No. You just... You go to an exchange and whatever people are willing to pay for it, that's what you can get for it. So on these three accounts, we can see Dash is not a Ponzi scheme. Ponzi scheme, not a Ponzi scheme. I don't care. It's just a scam. All right. So you think Dash is a scam. All right. So that's your hypothesis. Well, the hypothesis has to be complicit with the facts. So let's analyze what that would look like if it's complicit with the facts. Because let me tell you, that would have to be a big con. That would have to be an unprecedented con. It would have to go something like this. Evan Duffield and his team instamine the coin. They sit on those coins. They work on the project, develop a system of private transactions and instant transactions. They wait till the coin goes up to $15. Still don't sell. Wait till it goes back down to $4. Don't sell. Keep working on it. Develop a system that could potentially defund their development team by master node vote. Wait till it goes up to $15. Don't sell. Wait till it goes up to $50. Don't sell. Wait till it goes up to $100. Still don't sell. What exactly would be Evan's exit strategy if he is planning to rip people off here? I mean... His exit strategy is to develop a system so good that could actually potentially replace him as developer if the master nodes voted on it. I mean, that that is many things. That's uh, wealth creation. That's providing a service. And that's good business practice. But that is not a scam. And it is definitely not a Ponzi scheme. Here's the thing. On the internet, we use this cute little term, FUD, fear, uncertainty, doom. So when you call someone a scam artist, a fraud, a con artist online, we can say you're exercising this FUD. But in the real world, they have a different word for this. It's called libel and it's called slander. So when you say these things, I mean, if you have information that suggests that Evan and his team have been involved in fraudulent activity. Well, I would like to see it. I'm sure many people would like to see it. It would be great if you could publish it because what's done in dark must come to light. However, if you don't have information indicating that they were involved in fraudulent activity, it might be prudent. It might be wise for you to do this other thing. Take this slightly different course of action and it goes like this step one shut the fuck up thanks so much for listening paradise paradox peace out